All right, good morning everyone. Welcome to Kabbalah Cafe. It is great to have you all here from wherever you're joining, whether you're joining live or live, because both are live, right? You would, you would think live and live, right? It is great to have you all here this morning. We have a lot to get to. Today's topic, lessons from Peloton. You guys know what I'm talking, you guys know what Peloton is? The bike? Well, <laughs> we, 2020, we got one, yes. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pandemic um, era issue. But here's the thing, here's the thing. I want to speak about Peloton because I think like certain topics in Kabbalah and Chassidus, you, you kind of need a, a physical, contextual grounding. And so that's what we're going to do today. That's the plan. But first, you got to take a step back. Huh? I'm saying sometimes to understand Kabbalistic ideas, like, like I would say subtle uh, spiritual concepts, you need a bit of a practical, grounded um, muscle, app, you know, application, not even application, like example that you can then say, aha, I got it, I got it. It's, and this, by the way, this concept, this idea comes from what it says in Eov. I believe it's... Is it Eov? Is it Job who says this? Maybe. Umi psari I think that is where it says it in the book of Job. From my flesh, I perceive God. And the way the Kabbalists understand this is that it doesn't just mean that from where we stand as human beings, we still have the ability to perceive God. But no, no, no. Even more precisely, umi psari, from my flesh, I perceive God. In other words, by looking at the human condition. By looking at what's right here, we have a better perception of what's above. Because, after all, we are created in the divine image. So with that in mind, I want to speak about the oath, the promise that is given to every soul before game time. Sorry, before, so sorry, Super Bowl Sunday. The, <laughs> the oath that is administered to the soul before it is sent into this world. The Talmud in Tractate Nida has an elaborate conversation and discussion about the status of the soul prior to birth. It says that before birth, the, uh, the, uh, the fetus is in the mother's womb. It says, um, I'm paraphrasing, it's folded up like a writing tablet. I know what you're thinking. Who folds up a writing tablet? What does it even mean? That's it's cl clearly a reference that they knew somehow. You know, back then they had writing tablets that folded or something. Maybe the closest is like a flip phone. Maybe I don't know. Possibly folded up like a like a folding tab like a like a folding writing tablet. Um, and it says the, the the soul or the fetus, but really the soul. Sorry, the fetus, the the unborn has a light shining above its head. And it sees from one end of the world to the other end of the world. That's what it says. And the light shining above its head, the Kabbalists explain, refers to the soul. The soul that is not yet integrated with the body, right? The physical body of the unborn child, but is already then earmarked for that, for that, uh, for that connection. At birth, oh, sorry, the Talmud continues. The soul is taught the entire Torah, from beginning to end. In other words, all of the secrets, purpose of life, meaning of life, all the truth with a capital T that it needs to know, it's taught before birth. And then 
right before the, chi- the, the child emerges into this world, an angel strikes it on its mouth. It forgets the entire Torah. And thus we are born, and hence the cry. The cry, yeah, it says that that's hence the uh, this, right? Whatever that's called. I'm sure I know there's a name for it. I just don't remember the name. And, uh, and that, is, that is one of the reasons why the first thing that child does, a baby does upon birth, is to cry. It's not only the physical cry, but it's also the spiritual cry of the soul, mourning the, in essence, really the paradise that it has been removed from. Think about it. Imagine, in utero, the child, the fetus, does not have any concerns. Warmth is there. Shelter is there. Food is there. Spirituality is there. There's no issue. Which is why the sages say in Pirkei Avot Ethics of the Fathers, it's against our will that we're, that we're alive. We're born against our will. In other words, on one level, who needs to be born? It seems like a, a, a profound trauma. And indeed, life bears out that truth. And in many ways, there's a lot of trauma. It would have been better, right? Say that in the Gemara. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. The Gemara says that. For years, they debated, and they decided better not to be born. It's unbelievable, right? They went back and forth over a long while, and they decided, you know what? It's better that we weren't born. <laughs> yeah. That's nice to, to vote that and to decide that. But guess what? We're here. <laughs> we are here. But going back one step, does that say it was better that we were conceived but not born? Or would it have been better? <sighs> Good question. Mm-hmm. Good question. I don't know. I, I don't think it discusses on that level. But the point is, I think, I think the core idea is that things were very comfortable. I see Shana just wrote a comment in the chat over here. Uh, it's not so comfy for the pregnant person. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yes. As someone who has never been pregnant, I can't even begin to agree with you with the, with the uh, you know, level of certainty that, that others could. But yes, um, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but the, feed, you know, the unborn is comfortable, etc. Now, the Talmud continues to say that before the soul is is fused with the body and then sent into the world, it is given, it is made to take a promise. It puts its little soul hands on the little Bible and it, ra- I'm kidding, it doesn't do that. But it, it takes, it makes a promise. And what is the oath? I'll, I'll share, I'll, I'm, I'm quoting uh, verbatim. Tehit tzaddik. What does that mean, tehit tzaddik? Tehit, tehit, tzaddik. Be a tzaddik. It's told. Promise, you'll be a tzaddik. What's a tzaddik? Righteous person. And <coughs> don't be wicked. And then it says, And even if, ooh, la, la, look at those vegetables. And even if the whole world tells you you're a tzaddik, you should be a wicked per- like a wicked person in your eyes. You with me on this? Be righteous. Don't be wicked. But if the whole world tells you, oh, look at you, you're a tzaddik, you're amazing, in your own eyes, you should be like a Russia. Like a wicked person. 
So in the beginning of the book of Tanya, which is like the classic work of Chabad Hasidic philosophy, it's like the Bible of, of Chabad mysticism. The beginning, literally the first chapter of Tanya, he asks a fundamental question on this. Oh, everything I just quoted to you is from the Talmud. Not Chabad, it's from the Talmud. Comes along Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the founder of Chabad, and he asks the following question. He says, what kind of, what kind of trauma what kind of confused trauma are we trying to impress upon the soul? You tell the soul, be righteous, okay? Don't be wicked. First of all, that's redundant. If I promise to be righteous, I'm already promising not to be wicked, correct? You guys with me on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Why do you have to make the oath both ways? Be righteous, don't be wicked. It's like, you had me at righteous. I got it. It's like, promise you'll be righteous, yes. Aren't we, aren't we good? And, and the conversation. Oh, 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 and now that you're righteous, don't be wicked. Yeah, bro, I already, yeah, we, we took care of that when I said I'll be. People partition part of their lives. You say, oh, I'm righteous here, but okay. Okay, good, good, good. Good. Okay, good, good, good. Correct, good, that's true. I like that. Mm. I apologize for my voice. This is just the way it's been the last few weeks. Um, if it sounds weird, I know. It's, it's weird for me also. Back to the story. So that's one question. And I like your answer. He gives a, a bit of a different direction, but, but you'll see how this comes together. The second question he asks is, what's the second half of the oath? So be righteous, don't be wicked. Okay, that's one half. We had a question on that. And the second half is, even if the whole world tells you you're righteous, in your eyes you should consider yourself wicked. Well, that sounds weird. Like, what kind of depressed, like self-beating up type of trauma are we trying to inflict on one? It's like, oh, if you're such a good person that everyone says, wow, you're a good person, you should be like, no, I'm terrible. First of all, why, why lie to yourself, number one? Second of all, how is that good? If you re- so, okay, one second. If you, he says, if you take that seriously and you really think that you're a Russia, you, you're a wicked person, even when you're a good person, if that's what you think, well, then that's terrible. And if you're just pretending because of humility, like, oh, no, 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 me, oh, no, I'm a terrible person, then what, we're advocating to be false and to be like false humility? What are we doing to the soul here? It seems like a very bizarre situation. Be righteous, don't be wicked, redundant. And even if the whole world tells you you're righteous, you should be in your eyes like you're wicked. What is, consider yourself as if you're wicked. What? None of that makes sense if you really break it down. Good. I'm glad you asked. What is righteous? What is it, Sadiq? What is it, Rasha? So the next several chapters in the book of Tanya, he's outlining what it detailing. What is it, Sadiq? What's a Rasha? And he comes up with five different personas, which I, I want to unfold today because it's relevant, because we have to get back to Peloton. So because of that, we need to explain five types of human beings. And I'm going to tell you the, category, the categories in Hebrew. And then we'll explain them. Category one, tzaddik vitovlo. I'm not translating yet. Category two, tzaddik viralo. Category three, benoni. Category four, Russia vitovlo. Category five, Russia viralo. Let me explain all these. Okay, it would be easier if we had, I tried to print out something the printer wasn't, wasn't connecting with the printer. But either way, we have five levels. There's a tzaddik vitovlo, and let me start translating. Tzaddik vitovlo means a tzaddik, a righteous person, to whom 
it is good, or to whom good is. Vitov lo, and good is to him. What does that mean? The Talmud asks a question. Take a half a step back. Why is it? Hey, David. Good morning. Shavuot uh, Tov. The Talmud asks a question. Why is it that, cert, that righteous people, sometimes righteous people suffer and wicked people prosper? Why is it that there's a tzaddik, some are tzaddik, v'tov lo tzaddik, that good things happen, and some are tzaddik, v'ralo. Sometimes you have a tzaddik, a righteous person, v'ralo, who has a difficult life. Conversely, you can have a rasha, a, wick, a wicked person, v'tov lo, who's living great. Oh my gosh, great life. And then the rush of Varela, then a wicked person who's living a miserable life. So what, what makes what? So in Tanya, he explains like this. That these are not just, outco- these are not just um, random scenarios. Oh, a tzaddik who has a difficult life, a tzaddik that has a good life. Rather, these are actually different dimensions or different states of a tzaddik. But first, to understand this. We need to understand what is really it's what is a tzaddik, what is a rasha, what is the middle category right down the middle, which is a bainani. What is this? I, I, what I'm about to say, I think some of you, if not many of you, know to some to one extent or another. But I do want to make sure to clarify it because I think oftentimes we learn these things and we might come across these things in bits and pieces. But it's important to have it mapped out. I think to have clarity on this and really to be able to organize it in our minds and understand what is really going on here. So here we go. Every one of us has two souls. We have a godly soul and an animal soul. This is like the bread and butter of Kabbalah. We each possess two souls. Right? A bread and butter? As you're uh, uh, adorning the bagel. One second. Is that butter Chalav Absolutely. Are you kidding? Is there even any other option? There's no other option. So we have the bread and butter of Kabbalah, Chassidus, is the idea that we have, and Tanya, is the idea that we have two souls. Now, why is this important? First of all, it's the truth. Anyone who has ever felt conflicted about something, part of me wants to do the good thing. Part of me wants to do maybe not the good thing. Anyone who's ever felt that inner conflict, anyone who's ever watched cartoons and seen the little angel guy, the little devil guy, right? You know what we're talking about. You got two souls. Now, it's not outside forces ever since... Um, the sin of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve, the serpent popped inside. That's the way Kabbalah explains it. Previously, on murder, she read, no, previously, on, uh, uh, previously before the sin, right, what the, the, the serpent, in other words, the desire for selfish or self-serving conduct that opposes God's will, that was outside the person. That came in the form of an external serpent. Inside, Adam and Eve, weren't thinking about sin. It was only an outside influence that said, oh, psst. I'm assuming that's how a snake would sound, trying to get your attention. In those days, I think he talked. It did talk. Yeah, and it stood upright. Huh? He had a Yiddish accent. Yiddish accent. Uh, <laughs> I can't even channel a Yiddish accent now. All right, anyway, the point is, yeah, what's the point? The point is, was it was an external voice, but the moment they partook in the sin is the moment that that voice now comes on the inside. That voice is now an internal voice. You know, we don't need any external serpents. We got that voice on the inside. That's what we call either the yates or heart of the evil inclination or the animal soul. However you want to define it, it's really the same thing. It's really that inner voice 
or that inner force that tries to pull us in a bit of a different direction away from our core truth, God's truth, our purpose, etc. So anything that pulls us away, we call that coming from the, the animal soul. So now, everybody, well, I should say the vast majority of people are um, embroiled, I think that's the right word, embroiled in a vicious battle internally between these two forces, between the godly soul and the animal soul. It is a fierce battle. Now, some, sometimes in the day it's more active, sometimes less active, like when we're doing something overtly holy, like praying or studying Torah or whatever it is, we might not feel that pull, but other times in the day we might feel that other voice very strong. And so again, the vast majority of us, 99.999, keep on going with the 9% of human beings uh, um, are, the, are, are embroiled in this battle, in this wrestling match, the way the author puts it in Tanya, like a wrestling match between two combatants. It's literally a take him down, drag him down. I'm forgetting the rest of the M's. M, knock him down, drag, drag him down, knock him down, battle to the, you know, to the finish. And even when we're victorious in one moment, guess what? Give it a few minutes, the voice is back, and it's got other ideas. Like, hey, all right, I didn't win last time. However, take a look at what we can do now, right? It's always coming back, and that's, that's the state of being. Now, in the Torah, this is alluded to in, this, in a story that I think we're all familiar with, the story of Rebecca. Who was Rebecca? Rebecca was married to Isaac, Yitzchak. And for a while, right, they were trying to have children, and then she gets pregnant. And then what happens? The Torah says, she was in pain. What was going on? She didn't know. She was, there was a lot of pain going on. So she went to see the prophet or the oracle, whatever, whoever she saw. And this, this holy person said to her, nothing to worry about. There's a reason for all of the turbulence going on internally. And it's because... Mazel tov, mazel tov, you're pregnant with twins. Nice. And we know what we call twins, woommates. It's the worst. Literally, literally the worst. Literally cannot take me anywhere. Anyway, so here's... Yes, please ignore that. Please strike that from the record. So, she's, she, so mazel tov, you're pregnant with twins. And the oracle continues to say it's not just twins. These are two nations that are inside you. And one is fighting the other for these, this massive cosmic battle. And when one rises, the other will fall. And when the other rises, the other one will fall. And they will be at each other's necks. That is the way that it is described. It's not just twins. It's a battle of epic proportions. And it's still going on. So we can understand it. Oh, so we can understand it on... Sorry? All she wanted from the oracle was to get pregnant. No, she was already pregnant. Well, she was already pregnant. Yeah, but oh, no, she no, was, no, yeah. They, 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 she said she was pregnant. She was pregnant, but she was uncomfortable. She's like, what's going on? This is before the sonogram. Sonogram, is that what it's called? It's called yes. sonogram. Yes. So she had to go to the oracle. Oracle's like, you're pregnant with twins? Mazel tov. Okay. But the, the Talmud says something else. The Talmud says that what was she really disturbed? Because when she went by a place of monotheistic uh, pursuit, she felt some sort of yearning inside from the unborn to study Torah, as it were. When she went by a place of, uh, of idol, idol worship, she also felt the yearning. She's like, what kind of confused child, unborn child is this? Who wants to go both directions? What is this? So when the oracle says, 
It's twins. She's like, ah, makes sense. One is drawn this way. One is drawn that way. I have news for you. My fellow Kabbalists here this morning, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. You're pregnant with twins. Each one of us is Rebecca. Hashtag I am Rebecca. You're Rebecca. We all Rebecca. You know what that means? We're all pregnant with twins. We all have these dueling forces inside. We have part of us that yearns for something higher. Part of us that yearns for something lower. And you know what? It's not a flaw. It's the way God designed us. How can we say that God created a flaw? It's not a flaw. It's a feature. But now we have to figure out what kind of feature is this? What kind of feature is this? Who would do that? God doesn't make mistakes. You know, they said about, um, um, they said about, it would be great if I could remember his name. Then I could actually continue with this uh, example. They said about Hitchcock. Right? Um, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, well, you, I call him Al. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, psych, I was thinking psycho, but whatever. You can go whichever direction you want. Anyway, so, right, Alfred Hitchcock, it says that in his movies, there was not one extra scene or one extra moment of dialogue. It was like everything was precise. Like the Torah. Well, oh, right. I, well, I was going to say, can we at least say that God is just as good as Hitchcock? Can we say that? <laughs> Can we say that God is, I'm not even saying say greater than, but if Hitchcock doesn't have anything, hey, Natan, good to see you. If Hitchcock has everything, if, if, if in Hitchcock's movie, everything is meant to be there, precise, can we say that God does the same thing? Yeah. Can we at least say that God does also like that? Which means that if we, if you and I have an animal soul inside, if you and I have this other force inside, well, guess what? It's not by accident. It's by design. We are pregnant with twins by design. We're meant to have both. But how we deal with that varies person to person. And now let's get back to the five levels. All right. You ready? So here we go. So here we go. Five different types of five personas. The way the Alta Rebbe Tanya defines a tzaddik a tzaddik is someone who has, and this is the rare exception, this is like the unicorn of, of, of human persona. The tzaddik is not just someone who does a lot of good things. <sighs> Anyone can do a lot of good things. The tzaddik is someone who is fundamentally different than everything we've just described. How awkward, after we just established all this. The tzaddik is different. Who is the tzaddik and what is the tzaddik? The tzaddik is someone who no longer has or wage, has to wage that inner battle between good and the opposite of good. The tzaddik is someone who, not only on the outside, as they show up in the world, but even on the inside, is pure and godly and holy. It's like the animal soul either is gone or has gone on vacation. Either one. person doesn't exist. Right. So the Talmud says, God saw, Talmud says, the Gemara says, that God saw that tzaddikim shehimu atim, that there would be very, very few of these of this level tzaddikim, amad v'shaslam bein hadoros or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Maybe he went and then allocated them amongst all of the generations, amongst all of the uh, you know throughout history. Which means that in every generation you maybe have one or two people that are like this. What about the lamavavnis? We don't know where they are. There's a tradition that there's 36 hidden tzaddikim. But guess what? 
we don't know who they are. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. It's like when I was uh, when I was a yeshiva student. So we did this traveling Hanukkah theater, and um, it was a, a very elaborate play. It was very uh, highly sophisticated for where we are, where, where we were in life. We had these. We took five gallon like Home Depot buckets. Filled them with cement, but first put a pipe inside. Use that pipe as a as a foundation to put in um, painter poles that were extendable. On the painter poles, created hooks and then created backdrops on blinds. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the blinds that go this way, not the vertical, horizontal. What do you call them? Horizontal, horizontal blinds. And then we painted the horizontal blinds on one side and then let it dry, flipped it over, painted on the other side. And we had two backdrops that could fit in a car that folded up. The blinds folded up. The poles came out, the buckets came in, and that's it. We had a 15P, 15 passenger, and that was it. That's all we needed. We had a bunch of guys. Why is this relevant? The answer is it's not. However, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. What I want to tell you is that I was, I played the role of the hero of the story. My name was Getzel the Pretzel Man. Yeah, you heard me right. Getzel the Pretzel Man. I heard and, about you. Oh, no, you did not. How was that possible? Getzel the Pretzel Man? Traveling Hanukkah show? I literally just said that. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know this? First of all, I'm like half flattered that you would know this. But I just wanted he's to check. Uh, he's not. Okay. Certainly not. <laughs> anyway, long story short, it's like when like there's a play and Judah the Maccabee is like recruiting people like on the play, and then I come out of the audience as if I'm a you know I'm a plant in the audience. I come out and I join the Maccabees and whatever, and then he takes me to the secret cave because the Maccabees are hiding, and he, we walk around the stage a little bit. And then he's like, we're here. At the I'm like, where's the secret cave? He's like, he's like, it's right here. I'm like, well, I can't see it. He's like, that's because it's secret. So here's the thing. The secret Sadiqim, that was a very long loop back to what you said. Secret Sadiqim, well, we don't know. But what we do know is that there are very few people that fall into this category of people who don't have an animal soul or an active animal soul. Very, very few human beings don't have that internal battle. Most of us are, as I said a moment ago, pregnant with twins. Now, within the category of tzaddik, there's tzaddik vitovlo, tzaddik viralo, tzaddik to whom is only good, and tzaddik to whom there's also a trace of negativity. So that refers to two levels. Either the, neg the animal soul is completely evicted, so it's a tzaddik vitovlo, a tzaddik that only has good, completely through and through, or a tzaddik viralo means there's a little bit of negative, but it's so um, dormant, I think that's the right word, it's so... Um, Sleepy, yeah, Fashlaf, it's so so sleepy that it's not at all um, activated. And, it, and it, under normative circumstances, it's not something that this person has to contend with on a regular basis. In other words, when this person wakes up in the morning and goes about their day, it's not like they're dealing with, well, should I, shouldn't I do this or do that? That's not a thing that they're contending with. They're contending only with positivity inside, either because the other side is gone or because... It's so reduced, the voice has been so dimmed, it's not even getting in the way. That's a tzaddik. Again, if you're a tzaddik, shakayach, but most of us are not a tzaddik. Ra. Tzaddik, ra, ra like, like bad. But ra, low, that's the verb. Ra is low. The bad is to him. In other words, the bad is subjugated. It's dormant to him. In other words, or, or her. It's, it's so, the voice has been so quieted that it no longer even states its opinion. But conceptually, that second level tzaddik, it's still there. The first level tzaddik, it's gone. Never to return, pure through and through. Now, who's the Bainani? Bainani's in the middle. 
No. Let's go, let's go to the Russia. Let's go to the other extreme. Russia is, again, all of this is Tanya, classic Tanya, Hasidic philosophy. What is a Russia? Who is a Russia? A Russia is someone who has the same two forces inside, the same dueling voices, but allows that voice, that voice of negativity, to manifest, to come out, and to, in essence, um, uh, dictate what that person will think, say, and or do. That comes out, that's manifest, and it actually controls, it t- grabs the remote control, and it's moving the robot that is us. Not that we're a robot, but I would not deny it either. Right, so that is, sorry. I meant to break out the robot hands later. <laughs> sorry for jumping the gun on that. But anyway, so we are all, right, so not we are all. So the, the, the Russia is someone who is at times, or maybe a lot of time, controlled the person. As you show up, they are controlled by the negative force inside, hence the Russia. There's two levels of Russia. Russia, Vitovlo, Russia, Vitovlo means that although they behave in a negative fashion, they still have good inside, which means they, they regret what they've done. Oh, what was I thinking? What was I doing? I'll do better next time. Um, Russia, Viralo, the lowest level of Russia. That's like, doesn't, no regrets. No, no regrets anymore. Like that's a Russia, that's, that's a person who's so controlled by the negative inside that no longer is remorseful, no longer has any, any sense of moral compass that, I mean, maybe somewhere it's in there, but it's effectively kind of gone. So that's the polar extreme from the tzaddik vitovlo, right? On one extreme, you have a tzaddik where there's no negative voice. On the other side, you have a Russia, a negative person who has no positive voice inside, essentially. So those are the extremes. In the middle, there's, there's one level you know, off of those extremes. And then there is what we call the banani, who is the hero of Tanya. In fact, the original name of the book of Tanya is Sefer Shalbaninim, the book of the Benini. Many people wrote books for superheroes. The author ever wrote a book for the average person. So who is the Benini? The Benini is a psychological Russia and a behavioral tzaddik. The Benini is someone who on the inside has all the turmoil, all the chaos, right? Chaos is there inside. Inside, godly soul, animal soul are duking it out drag him down, I knock him down, the whole situation, cage match, top of the cage match, with the folding chair, the whole nine yards. This is what's going on. I was in the, around the 80s and early 90s, before, when it was still WWF. Thank you, Waverly, for having my back here. When it was dubbed before the World Wildlife Foundation. I don't know what that was for, they exist. Whew. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Jake the Snake, Hulk Hogan, like the guys back in the day. Hulk Hogan. That's it. What? That, that's, that's the final straw. That's when you storm out. I'm just saying names of people. Anyway, here's the point. Ric Flair, who was around then? Oh, my gosh. It's been years. Anyway. Norm was. <laughs> what was Norm's wrestling name? Kidding. So here's the deal. Here's the dealio. The Bainini. Oh, the Bainini. Yeah. The Bainini. Huh? The mighty Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. <laughs> Otherwise known as the star of the Princess Bride. Oh my gosh, it's all coming back. Anyway, back to the story. So the Bainini. Oh, let's talk about the Bainini. The Bainini is someone, psychological Russia. What do you mean psychological Russia? Internally, that battle is, 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 is raging. Not a tzad. They go, oh, I don't have that negative voice. Oh, bro, it's there. It's fully active. The twins, 
All right, Jocelyn. <laughs> Said no one ever. Right? The twins are, 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 are it's, it's a whole situation. Remember who the twins are, by the way. Right? They were Yaakov and Esau, Jacob and Esau. Right? And when Esau is born first, Jacob is grabbing the heel. I mean, if that's not out of a scene, you know, pulling him out of the cage, I mean, that's, that's straight up. Another snake. Oh. Uh, Another snake in the grass. Shake the snake. Jacob the snake. Oh, Jake the snake. Oh my gosh. No, but he's our forefather, so we're going to be kind to Jake, to Yaakov. All right. So the point is, on the inside, listen, on the inside, the Bainini is all conflicted, all turmoiled. But on the outside, uh, a psychological Russia, but a behavioral tzaddik. On the outside, the way the tzaddik shows up, he or she, in thought, speech, and action, is like a tzaddik. Thinking... Healthy thoughts, saying healthy things, and doing healthy things. So in the three areas in which we show up in the world, thought, speech, and action, the garments of the soul, as Kabbalah describes, in those three areas, which we have immediate control over, the Bainani is in a good place. Not inside. Open up the hood. Oh my gosh, what's going on in there? Close it. <laughs> but on the outside, you would never know. The Bainani on the outside looks like a tzaddik. Hence the oath. Let's go back to the oath. The soul is, ta- is, 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 ma- is given an oath. Be a tzaddik. But even if you can't, if you're never going to get there, if you're never able to, to, to rewire what's going on inside, at least don't be a Russia. In other words, be a Bainani. Hence the dual language of the oath. Be a tzaddik. Parentheses. And if you can't, at least, don't be a Russia, Because there's an option in the middle. You don't have to be perfect to be a mensch. You don't have to be a superhuman being to make a difference in the world or a difference in someone's life. You can struggle internally. You can be like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? But you know what? If you do the right thing, that other person doesn't even know. And it doesn't matter because you showed up. You showed up and did the godly thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't actually matter that how, how, much of a, how much of a struggle there was internally. The bottom line, you got it done. And that means, sorry? Yes. That's why Tanya is called the book of the Benini. The author of it wrote a book opening up the possibility for everyone. To rec- to even if you say, I'll never be a tzaddik. So what am I bother- why am I bothering? If, if forever I'm struggling with, the, with, these good, with these choices, so then I'm not making any progress. So what's the point of life? The author says, what's the point of life? The point of life is that even though you feel like X, Y, and Z, you can still do A, B, and C. You're not stuck by what you want to do. You have the ability to do to go against what you want to do. Because you know what? A part of you also wants to do the right thing. A major part of you. So again, the Bainani is someone. Question. So if the Bainani always has this internal chaos, how do you ever find peace? Mm. Hold that question. Good. The question is, if the Bainani is always struggling, then where's the peace? Good. Excellent question. But let's just, let's just solidify the Bainani. The tzaddik is someone who has no struggle anymore. Why? Because the negative voice or the animal voice inside is effectively subdued or gone. 
The Russia is someone who allows the negative to take over, to control the body and what it thinks, says, or does. Who's the Bani? The Bani is someone who has the chaos inside. In other words, the turmoil. The two sides are fighting, duking it out. But on the outside, i.e. how they show up, they're able to be in control. It's like a person, simple example, example that I've given many times before in these classes. It's like, a, you, it's like you come to a stop sign. And you stop. Did you want to stop? I don't know. But are you able to stop even if you don't want to stop? Absolutely. Can we ensure that we don't say the hurtful thing even when we're angry? Is it possible? Absolutely. Okay? Doing that, you're abandoning. That's what abandoning is. Abandoning, and the Altarab is, is almost allowing us to see this vision of ourselves. That if we get angry internally, it doesn't mean that we're a horrible person. It means that we are normal. Normal. Mazel tov, you're normal. Now, would it be ideal if we were able to get to that place where we never got angry, we never got jealous, we never were, like, of course, yeah. But would you, would you want to be a tzaddik? Yeah, why not? But is that realistic? a realistic expectation? No. And if it's not a realistic expectation, so then what do we do next? The next step is to ensure that even when we do get angry, we do get frustrated, that doesn't need to manifest itself in an ugly way or in a hurtful way. We have the ability to stop, to block that, and to smile, and to say something kind, to do something kind, to do a mitzvah, even when inside we're like, I don't really want to do that. Okay, we do things all the time we don't want to do. So might as well show up. So again, the bainani definition that I'm giving you today is psychological Russia. In other words, has the same internal chaos as a Russia does, but the difference is that on behavior level, they're a behavioral tzaddik. Now, this explains the oath. Let's go through the oath. Be a tzaddik, and if you can't be a tzaddik, at least don't be a Russia, meaning be a Benini. And if the whole world tells you you're a tzaddik, you should be in your eyes, that was the second half, you should consider yourself as if you were a Russia, not a Russia, but if you were a Russia. What does that mean? Even if the whole world tells you, oh, you're a tzaddik, you don't have any voice inside of negativity, you should b- believe that you do have that, even if it's very quiet. Because the moment you trust yourself too much, oh, I can never fail, I can never fall, I don't even want to do something negative, the more hubris, the more you believe in yourself on that level, is the moment that you can fall big time. It's those that took their eye off the ball. It's those that believe that they couldn't fail, too big to fail, too righteous to fail. That's when failure comes knocking at the old door. Boom, boom, boom. The the best way to prevent against that is to always be on guard at every moment. As it says, um, what's that? What does God say to to Cain, to Cain? Sin crouches at the door, right? What's the Hebrew on that? Chet, uh, whatever. Avain, Chet, whatever. Sin, what is it? Something. Sin, sin crouches, crouches. I'm going to go some OG translation here. Sin crouches at the door. It's crouches. Who knows? Crouches at the door. It's re- huh? Lurks. It's ready to go. It lurks. And if you don't believe that, then you're toast. Then you're toast. 
It's like a, a Hasidic Rebbe once told someone. Like, always imagine that the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is standing above you like a guillotine, ready to chop off your head, like ready to go in for the kill. He says, Rebbe, what if I don't feel that? He's like, well, then it's too late. <laughs> and it's already done. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, me? Oh, no, I don't have to worry about this. I'm good. I'm good. You're good? You're definitely not good. By the way, it doesn't mean we should beat ourselves up. No, no, no. It just means to be vigilant and on guard and recognize that at any moment, there can be a temptation that comes to us that can take us down. And so it means to be always at the ready to battle. Never take your eye off that wily animal soul. You know, it says in Chassidus, Chassidic philosophy, that the eight Sahara and the animal soul can sometimes uh, don, D-O-N, um, put on the clothing of a righteous person or even a Hasidic person. That's so like, tricky. Right? So super tricky. It's like, oh, this is going to be a good thing. Oh, sure, for you. <laughs> this is not a good thing. And it's, it's very difficult. It's, it takes a lot of work, a lot of work and a lot of, uh, a lot of care to make sure that we're staying on the straight and air. So again, the oath is... Be righteous. Be a tzaddik. If you can't be a tzaddik, at least don't be a rasha. And if the whole world tells you you've arrived, you're perfect, always remember, think of yourself like a rasha, not a rasha. Not telling you to be depressed about yourself, but recognize that you still have, that you may still have that uh, negative inside, which means that you are a bainani. Now, why do I say all this? Oh, yeah. Well, I have a question. So sure. is it as though the dormancy, if you will, um, of the animal soul is there and then suddenly it sees a very opportune time and it could come to the floor. Correct. And if you think that it can't, that's when you're in trouble. It lulled you. Okay. It's like the cornerback playing a little bit off the receiver. I was like, oh, I didn't see that screen pass coming. Boom! Intercepted, six the other way. <laughs> Not that we're talking about predictions. <laughs> the red team is going to win. <laughs> Not going to lie, huh? <laughs> I know. That's what I said. <laughs> Well, you know okay, it's red and white or white and red. They're both you know red. So, okay, by the way, as a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> How could you be? She went to a Gaza to support Gaza. I, okay, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't follow all that. no longer a fan of hers. <laughs> all right, we'll see. Everybody's got some Everyone's got it. Everyone's abandoning. Here's the point. Here's the point. Um, oh, what's with the abandoning? What is with the Bainini? Oh, if I were to ask you this following question. So what's the ideal? Tzadik or Bainini? Which is better? If you could choose, what would you choose to be? Everyone would say, Tzadik. No, uh, well, who, or who's higher? Right, BuzzFeed. Right, human beings ranked. Right, Tanya personas ranked. You would say that Tzadik would be the, at the top. Right, because here you're talking about someone who is pure inside and out, not uh, subject to temptation, impervious to sin, why? That would be like the holy grail, right? To mix metaphors. That would be like the holiest level to get, to achieve. So here is where we get the Peloton. Here's what, right. So everyone's like, I'll take it. So, but here we get the Peloton. Get the what? Peloton, the bike. I don't know what that is. The <laughs> Pun- punching the Peloton. The COVID bike. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I wrote that in the email. The 2020 era fitness uh, home fitness uh, work, uh, machinery, I think that's what I wrote, if I recall correctly. Anyway, the point is like this. What is the Peloton? How does it work? Have you ever been on the Peloton or ever seen how it works? It works like this. First of all, you, have, you can watch people, but at the end of the day, it's not about them, it's about you. And so what do you, you have two, you, there's two things in your control. Number one 
is the pedal rate. That's not what it's called. It's called cadence. Cadence is how fast you pedal. That's one thing that you control. How fast will you pedal? No one else is going to pedal for you. Well, I mean, that's an upgrade. No, okay. So, so pedal, oh, sorry, that's what they use in the Tour de France. Burn. You know, they have now started a podcast about these little motors that they've been, uh, little secret motors. Oh, oh, right. Shocker. Hashtag Lance did not juice, right? Is that where we're going with this? Anyway, um, back to the story. They call it actually, it's funny. They call it, um, there's a great name for it, for this use of motors. They call it um, driving. Also, that's good. <laughs> uh, it's going to come back to me. I'll look at it after the class. All right, here we go. So um, how do we get the bike? Oh, bikes, right. So you control how fast you go. So, sorry, the, how fast you pedal, right, cadence. And the other thing, there's a knob. There's a knob. That's called resistance. Turn the knob counterclockwise, it's easier to pedal. Turn it clockwise, it gets harder and harder. You add the resistance. So physically, it's harder to push. So now I'm about to blow your mind with this algorithm. Ready? I know this is going to shock all of you. I'm trying to be uh, um, facetious here. I'm going to shock all of you. The faster you pedal and the more resistance that you need to pedal faster, the greater is the out, what they call the output. What is the output? The output is the energy that you expended. I know, I know it's crazy, right? Super crazy. If you dial it all the way to the left, counterclockwise, it becomes super, it's like downhill. It's like downhill. The wheels fly, like the pedals fly. And if you go really fast, guess what? You're pedaling really fast, but you know what? No. You're not expending a lot of energy. Crank up that resistance. You guys see where I'm going with this, right? Crank up the resistance. What happens? It's harder. It's harder to pedal fast. But every, every step you take, every move you make, <laughs> says Peloton, says Peloton. What do you say? I'll be watching you. No, right? So every, every pedal, more energy and it makes you stronger. So now I'll ask you a question again. Would you rather be the tzaddik? No resistance. Tzaddik has no resistance. Tzaddik pedals, does, goes about the day, does good things. There's no resistance. Downhill. That's, that's great, right? There's no resistance. You know what no resistance means? No energy. No energy. There's no energy expended. It doesn't bring out your soul. It doesn't bring out your core. It's easy. Oh, you're saying, wait, it's easy, but it's perfect. True, but it's easy. The bainini is someone, every pedal, every cycle of that pedal is born of intense struggle. There's fierce resistance. We're locked in that battle. The resistance is amped up. Every time we push that pedal, it's hard. It says, well, who wants to be a bainini? You get stronger like that. That's why they compare Bob Tuber. Right? So the Talmud says... So the Talmud says exactly. But Makam Shabali Tshuva Omdim ain't Sadiqim Gemorim Yecholam Lamutsham. In a place where a Baal Tshuva stands, Baal Tshuva is someone who didn't, who wasn't born observant, wasn't born religious, but someone who worked hard on themselves to get to that place. They stand way beyond the, the stature of, that any Tzadah could stand. Why? Again, one was born of intense work. The other 
was the downhill ride. There's nothing wrong with a downhill ride, but where do you expend? Where do you unleash the energy? Where do you need to dig deep? That's in the Bainani experience. And so, in Tanya he says, let this be the consolation for the Bainani. When, we, when the Bainani says, I would rather be a tzaddik. What kind of, where, where am I going with this? Every day I, I face the same inner battle, the same inner demons. What kind of progress is this? Progress? You want to know what progress? Look at the output. That's tremendous progress. What do you mean progress? Progress is not defined by perfection. Progress is defined by energy, by the amount of work you've done. And relative to a tzaddik, it's incomparable, the amount of work the Bainani has to do. So says Tanya the following. It's literally inducing chills, at least for me. Tanya, he says like this. He continues to say, there's, there's a difference between an Eved Elohim and an Oved Elohim. An Eved Elohim is a divine servant. An Oved Elohim is one who is serving God. What's the difference? A tzaddik is God's servant. Tzaddik is doing his thing or her thing. Tzaddik is God's servant. But the Bainani is one who is serving God. Actively in the moment, putting in, putting in the sweat to serve, to work hard. The tzaddik is, sorry, the Bainani is battling their inner turmoil, their inner conflict to serve God in the moment. And he likens to another passage of the Talmud. It's all based, really, off of classic Jewish ideas, Talmudic and otherwise. The Talmud says that back in the day, in Talmudic times, listen to this. It says that every student, if you were a Torah scholar, you would review the studies 100 times. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. Let's spike the ball. We're running the two-minute drill. Right? We're down by three. But don't worry. We got this. So just pause for a quick moment. Why did they study 100, review their studies 100 times? The answer is simply they didn't have the internet. No, really, really the answer. Also, also, the other answer is because this stuff wasn't written down yet. This is before the oral Torah was written down. In other words, all they had was the written Torah. Five books of Moses and the books of the prophets. Five books of Moses, anyone who's ever read that, you know how... For lack of a better term, I don't mean this in the sketchy, sketchy way, but in a sketchy way, i.e. just a framework way, the, the mitzvot, right? The 613 commandments are written in a very sparse and brief way. It says, put totafot between your eyes. It's like, oh, sure, I'll do that as we slowly walk out of the room and like, let's totafot. I have no idea what that is, right? It's like, oh, put them as fringes on the corners of your garment. Uh... With a string of blue. What does that look like? How many? Where? What? Material? You'll read it. It's not there. It ain't there. The details aren't there. Observe the Sabbath. Right? Rest. And do and don't do what? Like, what does that actually mean? The Torah is very brief. Because accompanying the written Torah was an oral tradition. God told Moses, write this, and this is what it means. And then Moses Moses taught it to Joshua and the and they they and they taught it generation to generation and it wasn't written that yeah. Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch describes it, explains it, it says this way. He says it's like going to college, <coughs> you go to school, you go to lecture. 
and you take notes. Then you go back. And <clears throat> the guy looks at your notes, he can't figure out what's really going on because he didn't hear the whole lecture. Right. So the difference was the written Torah is basically the notes. Right. Moshe and the Jewish people, they got the whole lecture and they passed it down orally. And they needed a hundred times for each halacha to make sure they got it right, right. and accurate. That's why the written Torah seems simplistic and because you can't put all the variations and combinations of life in there. And that's what developed Also, according to some commentaries, I love the, the, uh, the, the, the analogy. According to some commentaries, it was by design, not only because God couldn't have put all the details, maybe it would be a very big book, but also because God wanted it to be a conversation. He wanted there to be that interplay between generations, wanted there to be the product of effort. And it shouldn't be an open book, but a little bit of a, a difficult, you know, we'd have to kind of, you know, study it. Study it. Right. Right. That's a good point, also. Yeah. Right. If you make it too simple, right. So it's basically, it's basically the outline. Here's the basics. Uh, the cliff notes. The cliff notes. Oh, Remember that cliff notes? Oh. Now it all makes sense. We to went. Me. We we made it through school with cliff notes. It makes or sense. Or some now. of us. Anyway. So here's the deal. So here's the deal. So you have, the, oh, so, so this, the Torah students back in the times of the mission of the Talmud, before it was written down, the people of that era, they would study a, a given halacha 100 times to review it, to check in with the teacher, check in with themselves, check in with their colleagues to make sure they got it right. So the standard operating procedure of Torah study was reviewing it 100 times. Says the Talmud, if you review it 100 times, you haven't served God, but you review it 101 times, now you serve God. What does that mean? Here's what it means. If you, if you review the study 100 times, that's normal. Back then it was at least normal and expected. You didn't have to summon any intense energy to do so. But study it 101 times, one more time, is going beyond the norm. That's when you expend the energy. That's when you're serving God. The tzaddik is someone who's in their comfort zone. The tzaddik is comfortable with, serve, with, with, with doing a mitzvah. The tzaddik doesn't have to sweat to do the right thing. The bainani is like the one who studies 101 times, going outside the comfort zone, pushing themselves. And I would say in our own lives, we also have this. Because every one of us, even though I said, I told you before, mazlov, mazlov, right? You're, we all have twins. At the same time, there are areas in our life and in our uh, spiritual lives as well that we are like tzaddikim. In other words, there are certain areas in which we no longer struggle with this mitzvah or that mitzvah. Like, oh, this one is easy. I wake up every morning, I pray, put on tefillin, whatever it is, Shabbos, whatever, whatever it might be for you, that might be your tzaddik area of Judaism. In other words, you no longer are conflicted. You're no longer torn. You no longer struggle with it. Maybe at one point in time you did. But Mazel Tov, you have now progressed in that one area, in that one sliver um, to, be, to be tzaddik-like. And maybe another area and another area. But here's the question. What about the other areas? What about the areas that are challenged? Oh, that means, uh, I don't really do that one. Ah, comes along these, the, today's lesson. And says, look at the areas in which there's still that battle, that internal turmoil. 
and be a bainani in one more of those areas. In other words, be a bainani, make the choice, the holy choice, in one more area that hitherto croucheth, that hitherto we were a little bit, maybe, yeah, that's not for me. I'm just going to stick with my comfort zone. I'm going to stick with the 100, not the 101. I'm not going to, I don't want to sweat. I'm going to go downhill today. Crank up the resistance. Find that mitzvah that to you is the resistance. And blast through it. Blast through it. We need some uh, Peloton instructor uh, <laughs> hype going on here. You can do it. Pedal through it. Pedal through the pain. You got this. Huh? Right. Some rabbi shouting at a screen. <laughs> I'm sure everybody would love that app. <laughs> Put those filling on tighter. Yeah. Wrap it tighter, baby. <laughs> my arm is blue. Tighter. Like, oh my God, I can't anymore. So anyway, here's the point. Number, there's a few points today. Number one. Number one. To be a tzaddik is great. But you know what? It's also overrated. Not going to lie. It's a little overrated. I'm kidding, right? But uh, we're not kidding. A tzaddik is great, but you know what? Where's the energy? Where's the output? A bainani is doing a lot of output. There's a lot of resistance there. There's a lot of energy being expended in order to do the right thing. In our own lives, again, in our own lives, we are all bainonim, or at least aspiring bainonim. We can be the bainani. Be the bainani you've always wanted to be. I don't know, whatever, if you want to phrase it, right? Be the bainani. Sounds like right? a Super Bowl commercial. Sounds like a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> be the bainani. What does that mean to be the bainani? The bainani is someone who is not looking for the easy way out. So I'm not looking for the 100s in life. Like, oh, let me find the things that I'm already doing or the things that I like doing and do that. I'm not saying don't do that. By the way, time out. Spike the ball again. We have like now it's literally the two-minute drill. So I'm not saying not to do those things. Do those things. Lean into the areas in which you like doing it and are doing it and excel at doing it. Good stuff is good stuff, right? Good stuff is good stuff. Never take away from the good stuff. But today the message is add to the good stuff with a little bit of hard stuff. Take some of the hard stuff, some of the stuff in which you know, no, it doesn't matter what anyone else knows, you know that for you that's, that's your resistance. For you, you know that that is hard to do. It's hard for you. It's hard. It may not be hard for someone else. Don't judge yourself. Everyone's animal soul is different. It's easy to solve someone else's problems. So, oh, my, I can't believe they did that. Yeah, yeah. That's because it's not your animal soul. Obviously, it's easy. Your animal soul is your animal soul. Everyone's tweaked differently to provide their own, to push their own buttons and, 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 and crank up their own vices. That's why it's my animal soul or your animal soul. Yeah, oh, everyone's solving each other's problems. Oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, obviously not because you don't have that animal soul. It didn't come after you that way. If it came after you, you'd also be toast. We have to think about ourselves. What for me is difficult? Where is my battle? There are some areas in which I've conquered the battle. I'm a tzaddik now, mazel tov. Celebrate that. But there are still areas, I would bet, there are still areas for each of us. For each of us, where the battle is still raging, where you have on the gridiron two teams pitted against each other, digging in, literally digging in, waiting for that snap to literally pound into each other. And the battle is fierce. The battle may even be bloody. But in the end, in the end, we know that we have the ability to overcome.
And when we do, it will be the greatest battle ever fought. A battle that was the product of intense energy, intense work, and supplying and providing intense gratification, knowing that we were strong enough to stand up to the challenge. And so my, my blessing for all of us is to not run away from, from, the, from, the, from the difficulty, but lean into it. Lean into the things that are difficult. That's what it means to serve God, to be a servant, to, to be serving God in the present. Servant of God is someone who's already arrived. To be serving God in the moment, right? This moment, am I serving God? If it's easy, who am I serving? Serving. I'm doing good things, not serving. In Hebrew, it's better. It works better in Hebrew. Avodah means to work, not just to serve. Work. Am I working? Am I not working? If it's easy, I'm not working. If I'm, if I'm going downhill, I'm not pedaling. I'm not, there's no energy. There's no energy being expended. Find one space this week, two spaces this week, two areas in which there's a lot of resistance. And in one moment, create a breakthrough. In one moment, feel the resistance and tell yourself, this time, here's where I draw the line. This time, I say no. This time, this is how we're going to do it. On my terms, not on your terms, speaking only internally. And this way, we fight the good fight, battle the good battle, and as it says in Kabbalah, reveal and release the greatest light that's yet to be born. The light that's born of Iskafia, the light that's born of the internal battle is greater than any other light that could be ever reproduced. And so indeed, may we be the ones, may, may we be the ones in our own lives to reveal that light and may that light bring us tremendous blessing, the blessing born of effort and accomplishment. Thank you for joining me this morning for Kabbalah Cafe. Um, this is the month of Adar, so we need to be joyous. So on that note, all of this should be done with Simcha, with joy. Not like, oh, I got to go to the trenches. The rabbi said Sunday morning, got to go to the trenches. Take him out, drag him out. No, no, no. This is all besimcha. With joy, we can accomplish anything. Thank you for joining me this morning. One quick note, scheduling note. Please join me this Tuesday night for an absolutely riveting, riveting event. Talk about battling internal and otherwise demons. Here's a man, Frank Mink, who grew up in Philadelphia, born and raised to the playground where he spent most of his days shooting. All right, anyway. <laughs> he was not the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but he was a, an avowed anti-Semite, skinhead, neo-Nazi. He went to jail for various criminal offenses, and his life radically turned around. And he has recently discovered that he has some Jewish roots as well. He is going to be speaking about his incredible journey from hatred to harmony this Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m., right here in this space. Join us. Do you have to reserve? If you come at the list. If you okay. Come as you are. Right? If you could reserve, reserve. If not, either way. Join us. This is going to be a powerful event, giving us, a, 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 really taking us into the soul of hatred. I know today Robert Kraft, the owner of uh, the New England Patriots, is what running. A waste of money. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Commentary is after. One second. You're like the Romo. Let me just be the. Uh, let me just do the play-by-play. Say what's what. It's a soft spot for me. All right. I don't. I don't mean to push any buttons, but he is 
I don't know how much money he spent. I don't know, whatever. Seven million. Yeah. Se- it's now, I remember when it was one million. Oh, yeah. Seven million on advertising. Interesting. Okay. But anyway, he's running a commercial that's against anti-Semitism. But either way, the point is that there's, there's a lot of hate in the world and a lot of prejudice on many different, different levels. And sometimes we think, how could someone hate? How does, how does a person, every child is born pure innocent. How do you go? How do you fall into hatred? He's going to take us into the journey. Oh, I'm fine. But okay, but everyone has a battle. But how do you go so far down that rabbit hole? He had a Nazi tattoo on his neck. How do you go to that place? So he's going to take us into the soul of hatred. What, what does it look like? And what are those people telling each other? How do, those, how do they recruit people? He was a recruiter, for, a neo-Nazi recruiter. He's going to take us inside, the, inside that world only for one reason, for the sake of understanding the, the, the soul of hatred and understanding how to get out of that soul of hatred. Um, again, a powerful event, I think an important event, Tuesday night, um, February 13th, 7.30 p.m. Everyone's invited. Spread the word. Spread the news. Start spreading the Philadelphia cream. Bam, 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 da, da, bam, bam. All right. Well, this is commercials, not Chavez Oh, okay. That's it. Hershey's. I know. I know. What? Sorry, I missed the question. It's going to be in the social. Make sure you have a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Microphone. Yeah, we'll have it recorded. All right. Good to see you all. Shavua Tov, everyone. Hope you um, enjoyed it today. And let's get out there and fight the good fight. You know.